Welcome to Sports Scene with Steve Russell. Let's talk some sports and have some lunch on ESPN 98.1 FM and 8.50 AM WRUF. Welcome into Hour 2 of Sports Scene for this Monday. Glad you're here. Rick is producing the broadcast today. And uh, today talked a lot a lot of different things but in this hour I'd like to focus on hoops Florida Georgia coming up tomorrow the Gators coming off that excellent win over Baylor it was back to the SEC the guy who has the play-by-play of the game tomorrow night is now going to join us Tom Hart you see him on the SEC network and ESPN Tom does college baseball too and lots of other things so he's going to join us to talk about this particular matchup in our league how are you Tom good to have you Hey, Steve. I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm fantastic as well, my friend. Um, let me first ask you about the SEC in general, Tom, because a, a school of thought is that you know, from top to bottom, the SEC is pretty darn good, that even the bottom teams can knock off the top teams, so that makes it a good league. The other school of thought is, well, there's no elite team, so is it really a good league? What say you when it comes to that discussion? Well, let me start with this. Um, anytime you talk about how good a league is, you, you start, I think, with depth, and then you move on to elite teams. Now, I know that your show has great depth. I never knew how elite a show it was <laughs> until I got a text earlier today from a national championship college baseball coach who said, oh, you're on the Steve Russell show today. I'm going to be listening. I wow. mean, if Kevin O'Sullivan is tuning into the show, this is an elite show, right? You've always had depth, great guests, and now you're elite. That's how I view it. Is that fair? Thank you for doing that for me, Sully. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the, the fun's out of the way. Yeah, this is a fantastic year for the SEC, not only coming off of the win uh, as a league as a whole over the weekend in the Big 12 SEC Challenge, but you have the majority of the league in the top 60 in the RPI. Um Let's see, you get 12 in the top 60 or 10 in the top 60, and, and George is right there in, at, at number 60. And my question all along was, you know, is there an elite team in this league? Um, does that hurt national perception when you don't have a top 10 or a couple of top 10 teams? And we were just a couple of years removed from, you know, Florida and Kentucky kind of running away with things on a regular basis. But you did have three in the Elite Eight last year. And I think South Carolina proved that you don't have to be an elite team on paper to have great postseason success. They went all the way to the Final Four um, with Sendarius Dormo kind of leading the way for them. I think Auburn is that team this year. Um, they haven't gotten a lot of respect over the course of the season because their non-conference schedule wasn't anything that really wowed everybody. They weren't selected to play in a lot of the made-for-TV showdowns um, You know that you see Kentucky and Florida playing in, the, the PK-80, for example, because they're not a Nike school. They didn't have a great uh, non-conference featured tournament that they played in. They weren't chosen to play in the Big 12 SEC Challenge because the SEC drops the bottom four teams based on last year's record. But Bruce Pearl is proving that he is, once again, an elite coach. And, um, you know, if you want to tie the baseball thing into it, I, I made this comment on the air the other day. Chipper Jones was just elected to the Hall of Fame, and I once asked Chipper why he thought he was such a great clutch hitter. 
and he kind of looked at me and curled his lip in his southern draw. He goes, well, Tom, it's because I'm a great hitter. Point being, if you're a great hitter, you're going to be a great hitter in the clutch. And if you look at numbers, those numbers prove to be true more often than not. I asked Bruce Pearl the other day, are you a great coach when the chips are against you, when, the, when people don't expect it? Because it seems to be the case. And he said, no, I'm a great coach because I win. He said, look what I did at Southern Indiana. Look what I did at Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Look what I did at Tennessee with six straight NCAA tournaments. And it just took him a little bit while, longer, I think, and a little while to get the foundation there at Auburn. But they've, they've got it, and they've had a tremendous run, even without their two best players. Tom, you look at this <clears throat> Georgia team you know, a bit up and down. What do you see with them? Well, they're in trouble. I mean, it's it hasn't been a good year for Georgia. Uh, Yante Maton is a fantastic player, um, but he has not been great in the clutch. They had a chance late to win the game against Arkansas, had a shot blocked from behind, and it looked like a play where he wasn't even expecting the defender to be there in a, in a half-court set. They have, a, they have depth issues from the – Backcourt position, Turtle Jackson is a good point guard, but there's no one behind them. And, and teams have figured out that if they pressure the ball, then they can keep the ball out of Yante Mayton's hands, and Georgia just doesn't have another score on the floor that can really beat you. And that's put, that's put Mark Fox's team in a really, really tough situation. Now, they've lost three in a row. They've lost five of six. I think it's probably a really important year for him to make it to the NCAA tournament. And it's a shame in that regard to be on the hot seat, if you will, because he does everything right. You know, the, the amount of talent in the Atlanta area when it comes to high school and AAU basketball is through the roof. But the common theory is that if you're going to dip your toes in the Atlanta waters, you're going to have to, um, you're going to, have to appeal to, to more than just a high school coach. And Mark Fox has said, listen, we're not getting down and dirty. We're recruiting good kids. We're going to do everything on the up and up. And he does it the right way. His kids graduate. He's got Juwan Parker on his team who has a master's degree and is pursuing another. He's the only player in Division One basketball who's playing right now with a master's degree in his back pocket. But at the end of the day, if they don't make the tournament, I think his AD, and you know, this has been rumored for a while, is going to take a long, hard look and say, how important is basketball to this university and do we need to make a change? With Florida, obviously – up and down a little bit, but uh, coming off a good game the other day. You know, I just remarked about this, Tom. When you get to see a guy over four years like a Chris Gioza improve the way he has, I must say I never thought he'd be as good as he is. You know, But when you watch him and watch his improvement, what do you see? Well, when you have depth in your program, you allow a player like Chris Gioza to improve. You allow them to improve without without stress. You allow them to improve by focusing on themselves. You know, here's a guy who was coming off the bench and sharing time with Casey Hill was a tremendous, especially defensively, point guard. And Chioza just kind of came into his own. He's leading the league in assists, over six assists per game. I, I, see, I see a program that has allowed Chris Chioza to mature on his own and was never rushed. He was never rushed to make it to the NBA. He was never rushed to be a starter because Florida always had backcourt depth. Um, and he's, he's one of the elite players in this league. I mean, it's amazing that as good an athlete as he is and as great a playmaker as he is, it says something when you are both a playmaker and a glue guy on your team. And that's how I view 
Chris Chioza. By the way, um, I don't know when Florida's home next. I've got them at Georgia on the road tomorrow. But next time you're at the O-Dome and you get there, I would say get there early and watch Chris Chioza warm up. Chris Chioza warms up, for the most part, like he's going to play. He warms up hard. He gets ready for the game. But then he allows himself a little bit of a break in the midst of warm-ups where he will shoot three-pointers with his left hand, and he doesn't miss. I mean, he. I was there earlier this season. It might have been before the Florida State game, and I'm just standing on the baseline in awe, and the dude hit like six straight threes with his <laughs> offhand. Yeah. And it looks perfectly natural. So to appreciate the athleticism of a guy like that, get there early next time and, and watch how he warms up. You know, Tom, Gator fans, I think, are a bit exasperated at their team because you, with all the injuries in the front court, <clears throat> you never quite know what you're going to get night in and night out. But I think Coach White and his staff have done a really good job with this team. Not a great defensive team, not a, a team of great length, but yet getting a lot out of it. Would you agree with that? I think exasperated is a really funny word to use for a team that at one point was fifth in the country and leading the nation in scoring coming out of yeah. PK-80. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Florida State loss was a tough loss, but Florida State, especially at the time, was a really good team. It took great advantage of Florida's lack of interior depth. I mean, they Leonard Hamilton always has big dudes. He always has 6'10", 6'10", 7 foot, 7 foot across the front line if he wants to go there. So they're able to take advantage of that. I can't explain the Loyola Chicago game, but you go back to December and you say, can you ask, can Florida win a tough team against uh, a tough game against a tough team? Well, Cincinnati meets, checks all those boxes yep. and meets all of those requirements and they out toughed Cincinnati. So I thought that was a great sign for where this team could be. I know if you were to use the word exasperated, I would say Mike White was more exasperated with his team than the fans were with the program as a whole. And they're, I mean, let's be frank, they're scheduled to win nine out of their last 10 games. This is a team that's competing for an SEC title. There's a lot of fan bases that would love to be that kind of exasperated. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. If, if Georgia is to win this game, I'll leave you with this, Tom, because you, you've mentioned don't have a second reliable score. I agree with that 100%. Maton can score 30, but if nobody scores with him, it's not going to help. What does Georgia have to do? Well, first of all, if Georgia wins this game, it means that they were physical inside and that they dominated on the glass. Yonsei Maton gets a lot of credit, and rightly so. But Derek Ogbede, who plays on the interior with them, can play very physical and shove guys out of the way. And if, they're, if he's able to do that, and both he and Maton can clear out some space, then Georgia's going to turn this thing into a rock fight. They're going to play slow. Mark Fox's M.O. is to play in-your-face defense and dominate the glass. It won't be pretty if Georgia wins this. Um, in the same breath, whether through Georgia's efforts and execution or Florida having an off night, Florida's going to have to miss some shots. I mean, Baylor was done for when Kulichov banked in a three coming down on, like, the second possession. I mean, they were – forget about it. And then he hit – Two more in a you know two minute span. When Florida's hitting shots, they are among the best teams in the country. And you it sounds silly to say like oh well, of course if anybody's hitting shots they're going to be good, but Florida can come at you in such waves in the way that they the tempo in which they play and, and the defense that Mike when they're playing well the defense that he has on the perimeter that leads to open shots um, is is almost unstoppable. So Florida's going to have to miss shots. 
whether that's through Georgia's defensive execution or just having an off night, which can certainly happen. And then their Georgia's bigs are going to have to have a big game. Tomorrow night, SEC Network, Tom Hart, John Sunbold have the call of Florida and Georgia. We always appreciate Tom taking time to visit with us. Appreciate you, Tom. Thank you a lot for doing it. And then again, uh, I thank Sully for doing that, too. It was nice, <laughs> nice of you to say. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hi, Sully. I hope Finn is doing well this morning. Okay. Appreciate you, Tom. Thank you. All right. Good Thank guy. You. Tom Hart joining us here uh, on the program. By the way, Florida's 8-2. and two. Uh, I think it's 8-2 and two in their last 10 against Georgia, so they've kind of dominated the series. And the other thing that I think is one of the reasons why I like getting the Tom Hart's of the world or the John Sunvolds of the world on is because – as good as the local perspective is, and let's face it, most of the time locals know more about their team than a national guy does, but sometimes you get too involved. Sometimes you, you don't see the forest for the trees. These guys do because they're not doing just Florida games. They're doing everybody in the league and they can make a comparison of what they see, and I think his, his analysis of Georgia is right on. Mark Fox is in trouble. They, this is a huge game for them. They're, they come in not playing well. You know Their backs are up against the proverbial wall here, and Greg McGarity, the former uh, associate AD here, who's now the AD at Georgia, may have a big decision to make when it comes to Mark Fox.